Well, guess what? It is another Tuesday, and we're tackling another text. We're so delighted to be with you. Uh, we thank you for being with us. Uh, as you're logging in online right now, just speak to one another. Tell everyone hello. Uh, God bless you from myself and all of the folks here at the Lighthouse Church. And to all of our Lighthouse 2.0 members, we thank you so much. We could not do what we do if you did not intentionally make sure you were with us every Sunday and every Tuesday. And thank you for continuously going back on YouTube and re-watching this because the word of God is a lamp to your feet and it's a light to your path. And it is so much said that you cannot digest it in this one sitting. So this one today, I'm telling you right now, you're going to have to watch it all. You're going to have to watch it again. And then you're going to have to watch it again because this thing is getting ready to be power packed. We're getting ready to talk about a topic that I promise you, I don't care where you live, this one comes to your front step. But before I do that, I want to introduce who's with me today. To my right, I've got Pastor Torrance Moore. What's going on, man? To his right, Pastor Raymer. To his right, Pastor Hammond. What's going on, guys? Doing well. Awesome. Doing well. Doing well. well. Good to see you all again on another Tuesday. You guys are the hardest working people in showbiz. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. 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 Uh, you need, you need to deny it. Well, yeah. Pastor Torrance, uh, I'm still hearing people talk about uh, your clip about how men set the tone uh, for relationships. One of uh, my spiritual sons said to me, said when you did their marriage counseling, they said, that's the first thing he told me. So I just want to tell people, you didn't do that for the gram. That's what you yeah. actually do. That's what that's you right. actually that's practice and say. And yeah. uh, I bless God and thank God for you and Kim and your ministry yeah. and your family. And you got the cutest grandbaby I ever seen. That man. little baby's so cute. I want to chew her. That's my baby, man. I want to bite baby. her cheeks, man. She's baby. so cute. She's spoiled already, man. I know, man. I already know it. <laughs> you doing it. I, I am. I am. He, he, he love her. And I, I just love to see that side of you. So, so today, man, uh, I don't know. I, maybe I should just let you... Talk well, guys. We're gonna talk about a word. It's almost a cuss word. Yeah, it's, a it's almost word. a cuss word, and it start with an F. Yeah, it does. And it's um, an F bomb. It's an F bomb. It's an F word. It's it's a yeah. bad bad word. Bad word uh, for some people. Uh, today, I don't like to cuss, <laughs> but we're gonna talk about forgiveness. <laughs> I mean, I I mean this one. Yeah. When this topic came up in conversation, I said, man. Uh, we're going to have to lace on the boots yes, sir. and uh, strap in tight because this is going to be a wild ride. Yep. Because uh, before we even talk about forgiveness, let's just acknowledge that there are some real people with some real pain. Yeah. Yes, sir. And they deserve to be hurt. Yes, sir. And they deserve to be frustrated. Yes, sir. And, and they deserve to feel disenfranchised because... Nobody knows your pain. It, I don't know how you feel when you hit your toe on the edge of the bed. Only you know. Mm -hmm. yes, sir. And I can see your reaction, but I yeah. can't feel your pain. And, and pain is one of those things that you can't feel for nobody else. You, you got to feel it all for yourself. Yes, sir. Yes, and, sir. and nobody can feel it for you. And nobody can take it away. And, and you got to live through it. So I, let's just acknowledge that there are some people who are watching who have real pain, and, and, and let them know, as, as I yield to you guys, yes, that just because you're ministers and pastors and uh, you pray and fast, don't, don't you all go through some real pain? Absolutely. Ooh. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's do this, um, and I'll start with you, Pastor Hammond. This is right off the top. They don't even know to expect this. 
I want each of you, because I, you know, it's hard to take advice from somebody who you don't really <laughs> believe has been through what you've been through. Yeah, yeah. I mean, somebody come telling you about what to do yeah. with your marriage and they ain't married, or yeah. somebody come tell you to do something with your children, but they don't have yeah. any, or they tell you what to do with your church and they don't pastor. It's, it's kind of hard, right, for all of, yeah. to take advice from somebody who hasn't walked a few steps in your shoes. Absolutely. So before we tell people, how they ought to get over things and how they should yeah, forgive. Yeah, and yeah. I want us to be very practical. I don't want us to be theoretical yeah, today. Yeah. I want each of us to talk about a situation where we were extremely hurt mm-hmm. and we had to practice forgiveness Ooh. so that you can buy equity with the audience Ooh. and prove to them Ooh. that you too have had to be forgiven and yeah. the forgiver. Yes, Pastor sir. Hammond, would you mind yes, starting? Sir. Well, Pastor, uh, man, this is a uh, you said it's a tough one. Um, and I, I remember a time as a young boy growing up with my mom as a single mother. And um, when I was eight or nine, she married my stepfather. And he came into my life at a great time uh, because I needed a male figure. But there was still something in me that fight, fought against that he was not my dad. And I saw my natural father in photos. And growing up, I would ask my mom, you know, when can I see my dad? When can I see my dad? And because of the, the hurt that she experienced in the relationship, she left and cut ties. And because of that, I suffered. Fast forward through my life, there were moments, you know, as a teenager, when can I see my father? When you get older. 16, when can you see your father? When you get older. 18, when can you, you know, I'm a man now. Yeah, when can I see yeah, my father? Yeah, yeah. I don't think you're ready. But by that time, you know, uh, months later, I'm married now. I'm on my own man. And so I get engrossed in the marriage because it's new. But around 20, there was something that triggered in me that says, I want to know my father. I want to get to know him. And i never forget, I, a I, computer person and Internet had just come out, and I remember having my computer and dialing up on the on the modem. Y'all remember modems, right? When you and AOL, and I, I began to look up his name and where you know found his phone number and called him. And that moment before I called, I had all this anger inside of me because number one, you know, how can you be a father and you have a son and you never reach out, you never paid any child support. You didn't check on me. You missed so much of my life. I had a lot of anger and resentment. But in that moment, I I had to forgive him. And I never forget swallowing this big lump in my throat and saying, I got to forgive him because if, obviously, I want something for him because he didn't want something for me. I called, made the call, and to forgive him, I said, listen, for whatever reason you hadn't reached out to me, I forgive you. And I draw a line in the sand. And if you want a relationship with me, let's go forward. And Pastor, I said all that to say forgiving is giving without getting anything in return. And so that was a freedom to me to give him this sense of relief of what he did or did not do. And we built a relationship from there. Awesome. 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 And and let me say, um, obviously, I'm not old enough to be a father. But if I had a son, I would want him to be like you. Uh, You you. are... An amazing person. Yes, sir. And um, 
let me speak on behalf of all fathers. Even though you're a father yourself, um, you don't look like what you went through. And um, I bless God for who you became. Uh, Pastor Raymond, you, um, your roots are in what we would consider a foreign land, but truth, we're in a foreign land. Your roots are in the motherland. And you had to, at some point in your life, be like a fish out of water and come to a new place. I want you to speak uh, from that deepest place of your pain, whether it be cultural or uh, um, family-oriented. I want you to speak about an instance where you had to forgive from, from a deep wound yourself. Um, the first thing I can remember is, and it's funny because when Pastor, when Pastor Hammond began to talk about when he was growing up, that was a similar experience also I had um, about when I was growing up. And I just thought to myself, isn't it amazing how some of these experiences happen when we are growing up? Mm-hmm. I'm reminded of the scripture that says, while men slept, the enemy sowed, mm-hmm. and how things that affect our life are programmed at that infant age. Why do I say that? My parents are pastors. I mean, you know that. They preach. They do all of that. My dad is a medical doctor. And um, when we were growing up in Nigeria, just in case you've not seen heard the accent, when we were growing up in Nigeria, um, my mom at some point, she took a break from work. She's a nurse. She took a break from work because she wanted to be at home. She understood the sanctity of family, and that's where we get it from also. Took a break to raise us up. Um, I remember clearly, I think, I don't even know where she was, but I remember clearly that growing up, I was molested before I even knew that I was molested. And um, by a man. I can remember, as I speak to you clearly, my small body underneath that bed. As I speak to you, I can remember like it's the brown bed. I know exactly the spot. Um, and I can remem- remember him on top of me. And unbeknown to me, he was sowing seeds that would program the next decades of my life into different things I was not ready for at that moment. It was so deep that I did not know I needed to forgive him. It was so deep that I did not know I was hurt. That I had to take a step back. Having conversations, true therapy, and all of that to say, this is where, just like Jesus told them, take me to the place where Lazarus was buried. I didn't know why this was happening, and I didn't know why I had this proclivity, and I didn't know I had this tendency and this and that and all of that. So eventually when it, my eyes opened and I was able to share the experience with my parents, I don't know how they felt because the same reason she took off of work to protect us, <laughs> it's almost like you are not there enough to be able to shield us from that. But thank God for the grace of God. So I say that because if I didn't tell people, they wouldn't know I was molested. And 
I'm just grateful, and that's why I have grace. And I, when, when you talk about grace, <laughs> you just get me all stared up, and I can go all out for it because I am not supposed to be where I am. I was programmed to fail. Yes, I was raised in a Christian family and all that. It don't matter. But I was programmed to fail because when that mental thing begins to work, you can't shut it down. It takes the blood of Jesus to erase and delete those files or to be able to talk about it and not even feel anything about it. So I had to make a decision to forgive who I don't know. I don't even know where he is. I don't know what is happening in his life. But I had to forgive him so I can disconnect the umbilical cord of my history so I can go into my destiny. Man, it almost chokes me up. Man. Um, every, Man. I remember you sharing that story with me before. Um, and it does the same thing to me today that it did the first time you shared it. And, and that's something I could say to you all who are listening. That you, you cannot handle a person correctly until you are informed of their history. And, and if you care enough about people to get to know what they've been through, that will help you uh, in your reaction and responses to the stimuli that you may experience a relationship with people. Uh, knowing that about him determines how I handle him as a pastor, as an employee, as a son, as a friend. Um, and to me, it's one of the most abhorrent experiences um, for an adult to misuse a child. And you don't know how many people you set free today because yes, there are thousands of people who are watching. Yes, sir. Who don't have a microphone. Who cannot give voice wow. to that pain and story. But they can relate. And they too know now that the blood of Jesus can cover that. Pastor Torrance, um, and all we're doing is establishing. Please don't turn the channel. All we're doing is establishing to you that by the time we talk about forgiveness, we're credible. Yeah. That we're credible. That we're not up here in theory telling you that you can get over anything. And we're not going to use scripture. I want to use real pain. Yeah. Real, real situations that can help you to realize that you too can overcome. Pastor Torrance. Man. Well, Rima, man, you know, you, you blessed me with that. I remember you mentioning that story to me before, but that was a blessing, man, for me to just to, to see you say that and state that here with all these people watching and everybody's and, and the, the courage it takes to talk about that. So, no, man, I, that blessed me. But, but, but the, um, when you talk about pain, one of the issues for me was, well, probably one of the largest issues for me was divorce going through divorce the first time. And we talked about that up here with the talk but that divorce, it rocked, it, it rocked me probably sideways, left and right. And I was so hurt and angered for the fact that I had to go through that because I felt like, number one, I wasted my time the first time. Wow. Like, I wasted my time. Like, I didn't have to go through that. And I know everybody says, oh, well, you got your son from that, and you got a child from that. Yeah, that's good. I do. I love my son. But, but what about all the time that I wasted leading up to a birth? Because after he was born, I still had issues. So then it, it, the, the, the birth didn't cure the issue or the ailment. 
you know, in fact, it made it worse for me because now I have my son out here without us being together. So then when we go through the divorce, I remember talking about the tackle the text with Pastor on the other, the other, another way in. And um, I came up here and I was, I told Pastor how I was praying, and, but I was praying hurt with unforgiveness in my heart. And then you say, well, you're coming to church. How can you do that as a preacher and a pastor? No, I preached with unforgiveness. I I prayed with unforgiveness. I came to church every day mad and upset. And then this is what what unforgiveness does because when you don't, like you say, cut the umbilical cord, Rima, it'll dictate the next pattern of life. So, So then what I did then after that, before getting into serious relationships, I had to have multiple. Now, you talk, I'm just be, being, telling the truth, Pastor, because you would think that uh, a pastor shouldn't do that. You shouldn't have all these different people that you're, that you're experiencing with. But I was experiencing with because I couldn't get away from the pain that was caused at first. So I'm going to experiment, experiment, experiment. Uh, I'll get with this woman. Cut it off. She can't hurt me. Get with this woman. Cut it off. She can't hurt me. Get with this woman. Cut it off because she can't hurt me. So I'm doing all these different thrills and frills only because I didn't deal with the pain at first. If you don't cut the umbilical cord, like Rima said, if you don't, if you don't deal with that issue, it'll dictate your patterns from here. You, 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 you'll, you'll find yourself replaying the same thing over and over and over, and umbilical cords are a connection between the child and the mother. The umbilical cord is a connection between you and the pain, and the umbilical cord purpose is to feed you. So then here I am with this umbilical cord still connected to what had happened to me. It was feeding me information to say, you don't need to get back into something like that. It's going to destroy you. So I had to kill the umbilical cord. It took me a while. Took me a while, and I destroyed people on the way. This is the reason why now marriage means much to me. Because I destroyed so many people along the way, Pastor, to becoming now the man I'm trying to become. Look at how many dead bodies I had to leave. So so cut 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 the cord. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. I believe this is an unchartered moment in history where financial blessings are going to come in ways you have not seen. There is a shift. I was reading an article the other day where it said that just a few moments ago, homes were being purchased at alarming rates. But for the last two months, there are more homes on the market than there were in the previous months. Why? Because the market is shifting. It's going from a seller's market to a buyer's market. And let me tell you something. For those of you all who have been laying up your treasure and who have been putting seed in the ground, God told me to tell you there are things that are getting ready to come that you're going to buy. They're going to set you up for the rest of your life. And you're going to do it through the seed. I hear the spirit saying that you're going to have so much wealth that your interest will take care of your desires. I'm praying that God will bless you in such a way that money will not be an issue for you. As you get ready to give today, I want you to hold that seed in your hand. And I want you to know that all of the power and faith in heaven is backing that seed. Whether you're going to give on Givelify, whether you're going to give on our app, 
whether you're going to text it or whether you're going to actually bring it in or mail it in. God knows all of those methods. God's not considering, nor is he concerned with how it's received. The only thing he's concerned about is where it comes from. Make sure it comes from your heart. And I pray, I pray a double portion blessing over your life. God bless you. Let's get back to the message. Man, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this. Um, I know if I'm up here about to cry, I know that people are watching because this is what real forgiveness looks like and what it feels like. Um, Because I pastor and because I get an opportunity to speak weekly because of the grace of God, a lot of my story is, is in the ethos because I get a chance to tell it a lot. Um, and the amount of pain and trauma that I've experienced in my life, um, as the Bible says, I don't know if there are enough books to contain it. But I do remember specifically being the illegitimate son of, um, legitimately great man of God who was my biological father and being a member of his church. I'm 12 years old. And like you, I find out in the living room of my mother's home at that time, she had just gotten a divorce from her second marriage. And she was never married to my father. So she had just divorced my stepfather. And I remember after he was gone, because I didn't want to know who my father was because I had an example, but after he left, then I needed to know because I was so young when he came, I knew he wasn't my father, but it didn't register that he wasn't. He was there. So I kind of knew that his last name was different, but he was my father. He was yeah. there when I woke up in the morning. Yeah. He leaves. I'm 12 years old. I asked my mother, I said, um, who's my real father? I guess she must have got tired of us asking so much that she called us all into the living room. My oldest sister, mm. myself, my younger sister, and my mother. And I said, who's my real father? And she looked me in the face, and she said these words. She says, Dr. Brooks is. I lost my mind. Because I used to go to church every Sunday. We used to have these chairs that would sit in front of the church, and if you ever needed God to do something for you, you, right there. you sat in the chairs. Yeah. It was, it was a, a modern approach to the mourner's bench because yeah. in the old school church you had the mourner's bench and everybody would sit on the front but mm-hmm. they had these chairs they were fold out chairs and I sat in the chair and every time I went up I had the same prayer Lord I wish that the pastor was my father it was my prayer wow. I prayed every Sunday that he would be my father because I saw him taking care of my brothers mm-hmm. and I saw him take care of his wife and I and I'd been down the street and I drove past his house and I was saying, Lord, I want me and my mama to get out of this raggedy apartment and and we want a house like that one day and we want a car like that. I never knew that 
as I was driving by envious, I was also an heir. Wow. <laughs> that I was actually driving past a house that I should have been living in, wishing for cars I should have been riding in, praying for a man who I should have been confiding in. She told me he was my father. I lost it. I screamed. And I ran out of the room. And this is my mom. She tough. She told me, sit down. You asked me a question. Now you're going to have to take it like a man. Mm. It was my first lesson in manhood. She made me sit down. She says, not only is he your father, but he's also your sister's father. Mm. I got me a sheet of paper. And I wrote down 12 questions that I wanted to ask him. And I went up because he wasn't my father, but he was. So I couldn't walk up to him like the regular kids and the regular people in church or like his kids. I had to get in line, like, you know, with all the members and let all the members talk and all the members talk. And when it became my time in line that Sunday, I said to him, are you my father? He said, yes. Right there on the altar. Mm. I said, when were you going to tell me? He said, eventually. Mm. I said, do you mind if you and I have a meeting? I want to ask you some questions. He said, sure. Listen to this. He says, give me your address, and I'll come and pick you up on Wednesday. I had to give my father my address address, because he didn't know where I lived. Didn't realize that I was only five blocks away from him. He drove up to get me in his Jeep Cherokee. We leave 215 Madison Avenue on West 15th in Gary, Indiana, and we drive down the street, and I asked him my first question before we got off the block. And he turned around on my first question, put me out of his car, told me that he had to teach Bible study that day, and if he had to answer my questions, he was going to be too upset to teach put me out of the car. I looked in the window and I told him, I said, this just hurt me more than the previous 12 years. And his response to me was, if it hurts you that bad, then you need to find another church to go to. And I remember breaking. And the hatred and the anger and the ability to flight and not fight became my modus operandi. So anytime I felt anything like that, I just left. Because the the rage that it built in me, I saw myself doing physical harm to him in my imagination. And it is then that I learned that fear is what actually happens and anxiety is what you imagine. And I built an, an, an anxiety complex that anytime I would feel something like that, I would just bag off. And I didn't know until I was 30 that that was my method. And like you, destroyed so many things in my path because of what happened in my past. I only share that with you, not for your sympathy, because I'm over it. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. But there is enough on this stage that we can sit down by this campfire and have a conversation and you not believe it's us against you, and that we're going to give you theories out of the Bible that we have not practiced. From being molested, to being divorced, to being rejected, and abandoned, we stand here today to tell you that our fathers, the invisible man, and the ex-wife have all been forgiven. Yes, sir.
that we hold none of them hostage, that his ex-wife is forgiven, yes. that his, his molester is forgiven, okay. and that his biological, our biological fathers are forgiven, and yes. my father is in heaven. Forgiven. Forgiven. So let's talk about it. Let's deal with it. Let's unfold it. Let's unpack it. Yes, sir. Because let me start off with this. For those of you all who are in pain, forgiveness is the only medicine for pain that doesn't have a side effect. Glory. Any other medicine that you take for pain has a side effect. Revenge. Yes, sir. Has a side effect. Yes, sir. Holding it in. Yes, sir. Has a side effect. Yes, sir. Sweeping it under the rug. Yes, sir. Has a side effect. Getting under somebody to get over somebody. Yes, sir. Side effect. Has a side effect. Let's talk about the side effects of non-forgiveness. Because before we tell people to forgive, they must first know what it is. And am I correct in my assumption, Pastor Hammond, that forgiveness is the only medicine for pain? That has no residue. Pastor Raymond, am I correct in my assertion that forgiveness is the only medicine for pain that has no side effect? Yes, sir. Pastor, I I have to be honest. Just hearing this conversation, I am stared already. Like, I I feel the power of God. I feel it. And and you are absolutely 100% correct. In fact, let me add this. While I... while I listen to you, what I hear in my spirit are the words of Jesus. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Hold on a second. That means forgivers have classified information. There is an element of forgiveness. Oh my God. Oh my God. There is an element. Forgiveness is an act of faith. Yes, there sir. is an element, yes, not sir. my will, but your forgiveness is bloody. Yes. Jesus forgave on the cross. Ooh. That's why pastor said, we're not trying to belittle your experience here. We know you went through stuff and yes. Jesus had to bleed to forgive. Ooh. But there is an element of knowledge that forgivers have that the perpetrators of the crime or whatever the act is, they don't, don't have. have. <laughs> and I'm telling Talk you that when you understand... <laughs> And when you know, because the Bible says, forgive them for they do not know. And if I just stay there, that is enough help for me to say, I know better. That's why I can forgive you. That alone sets me free because it means I have enough equity in my reserve to give you forgiveness. My God. My God. One translator says, not only forgive them for they know not what they do. Forgive them, for they do not know who they are doing it to. Lord have mercy. They they had no idea who they were crucifying. They had no idea who they were blaspheming against. They knew they were out of line. They just didn't know that they were out of line in the direction of the way. And people who hurt you are ill-advised and ignorant of the fact that they are handling anointing. That they're handling grace. You know why? When you said, Pastor Raymond, you said, I I shouldn't be here. See, your molester was attracted to us on this stage. If there was nothing great about you, 
he would not have desired you. And what most people don't understand, it is who we are that draws what happens to us. If Jesus wasn't the Messiah, they didn't crucify John. No, sir. Oh, my God. They didn't crucify Bartholomew. They didn't crucify Luke. They crucified Jesus. Jesus. It was who he was that made him hung on that cross. And it is who you are that got you those nails. It is who you are that gets you the crown. But you must understand before you get a crown of jewels, you must first bear the crown of thorns. It's bloody. It's bloody. God. My God. Blood comes before destiny. I was thinking... Pastor, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You do that to me every single time. Wait a minute, you got to say it again. Blood comes what? Blood comes before destiny. Oh my God. Blood comes before destiny. You have to bleed. You have to bleed. Why do you have to bleed? Why? Because when you are bleeding, there is a coagulation taking place. Every place where blood exits, it actually coagulates and the only thing that stops blood is blood. <laughs> so when, when the reason why Jesus had to bleed on the cross is because blood, when it comes in contact with wind, which is the Holy Ghost, it creates a scab that stops the bleeding. And, and, and that's where most of us are in our life right now. I got a nine-year-old daughter, and sometimes I go in her room, and, and for some reason, she is, she is an electric uh, um, uh, for mosquitoes, they just find her. I mean, they just find yeah, her. If yeah. it's one mosquito in the room, it's going to find her. She yeah. gets bit by mosquitoes all the time. And, and she has this thing where she, she scratches the bites until they bleed. So sometimes I'll go in her room and there'll be blood on the sheets because she scratches the irritation. See, I'm a little more mature, and I understand what scratching a scar does, and so I know how to put anti-itch things on it. I know how to hit it without scratching it because I'm well acquainted with scars, and, and, and I'm telling her now not to do it, but one day she'll get to the place where she no longer wants to see the scars, and when you get tired of the scars, it changes what you do to the wound. Reverend, you talking right now. When you get tired of bleeding talk, in your man. sleep, talk, when you get tired of bleeding in every relationship, yes, when you sir. get tired of bleeding at church, when you get tired of going to the altar and leaving the same way, you will change how you handle your wounds. Pastor, I yes. hear this in my spirit for somebody. I don't know who this is for. You, you would ultimately become who you don't forgive. I don't know where that came from. But I, I want to set somebody free. Reverend. Who and what you don't forgive, Reverend. you become. Reverend. I have to say that again. Who and what Reverend. you don't forgive, wow. you become. And this is what the enemy does with patterns. You become who and Reverend. what you don't forgive. It, I don't know where that came from. Hold on. I know where it came from. The Holy Spirit just the told Holy me that, that. that Jesus became sin. Yes, sir. And if he did not forgive us, he would have become Woo. a sinner. Wait a minute. That, but Woo. Jesus oh, did not just become sin. He had the capacity to become sin and forgive us for being sinners. And, and Christians are forgiving people. That's why forgiveness is spiritual. So you become what you don't forgive. If Jesus did not forgive us, he would have been a sinner. And Woo. he became sin. But he had the capacity to become the righteousness of God. Because... He forgave us. You become who and what Reverend, you don't forgive. 
I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry that for, is the Holy Spirit. Let, I'm sorry. For let me tell you. And we have to add, because what you said can be backed by Scripture. Because the Bible says in Matthew, uh, the 17th, no, it's 17th chapter. Matter of fact, it's talking about the unforgiving servant. When the servant goes, he's forgiven by the Lord. And then he's, he's, he's given his opportunity to pay the debt back. Goes out and sees someone who owes him something. And then puts them in chains. And then those who are watching go back and report to the Lord. And then the Lord brings the servant back in and sends him to be tormented. And it is, it's, it's, it's factual and biblical that what you, be, what you don't forgive, you become. Because when he didn't forgive the servant, he became the tormented. Yeah. Hallelujah, talking, God. Come on, sir. When, when, when he didn't forgive the, 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 the servant after being forgiven himself, he became tormented. Because he would not forgive what he should have let go. That's Bible, Rima. That was Bible. The Lord gave you that from the Holy Ghost. That's Bible. I, I'm, I can't keep it together, man. Reverend. I'm, I'm struggling to keep it together. Do you all feel the anointing? Reverend, that was Bible. That's on this stage. Do you feel the virtue Ooh. that is being drawn? I'm, I'm struggling literally man. to keep it together. Do you know how many people who are headed hellward yes, sir. because they can't get this word? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That just one simple act of contrition that a gulf has been created between us yes, sir. and our righteousness because we cannot overcome Woo. the stain of a moment. Woo. I think, Pastor Hammond, in order Woo. for us to forgive, we have to first know what forgiveness is. See, People are always telling forgive, me. forgive. But what is forgiveness? Yes, sir. Don't, don't keep telling me these theories about, and how many of y'all are tired of people telling, you just need to forgive. What is that? What is that? What is forgiveness? Because I ain't, I'm not mad at them anymore, but I don't fool with them anymore. Have I forgiven? Yes, sir. Woo. I don't call them every day anymore. And some people say, well, if you don't call them every day, then that means you haven't forgiven because I haven't gone back to where the relationship was previous to the hurt. Is that, what is forgiveness? I got a definition. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I got a definition. And this is what forgiveness is. This is what forgiveness is. Are you listening to me? Forgiveness is extending mercy to someone you have the power to destroy. Listen Woo. to me. Woo. Come on, man. Woo. Forgiveness Woo. is extending mercy <laughs> to someone you have the power to destroy. That's what forgiveness is. Extending mercy to someone who has harmed you. And mercy is actually compassion for people you have the power to destroy. So when Jesus Christ gave us mercy, My God. it was because he could have. My God. Turned us over to the enemy. He had the power to destroy us, but he chose to destroy sin and not the sin. Come on, man. And if you're ever going to be a forgiver, you have to destroy sin while sparing the sinner. 
you have to destroy the proclivity to react to what happened while maintaining a positive perspective about the perpetrator. Reverend. That you bless me today. is forgiveness. Having mercy for somebody. You have the power to destroy. People said to me, Pastor Hammond, and I want you to go. This is actually documented. The only reason why I talk about what my father did to me is he's dead. Yes, sir. I never told this story yes. while he lived. No, sir. I refused to have anything to do with the disintegration of his ministry while he was still alive. Yeah. I never told the story yeah. until breath left his lungs. Yeah. I never told anybody about what he did, didn't do, never paid child support, never came to a basketball game, lived five streets away, didn't attend my high school graduation. I never told anybody until after we said earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust. and dust to dust, because mercy is sparing a person. Ooh. You have the power to destroy. What is forgiveness? Pastor, I've learned in, in my life, um, in this short time of life, that to forgive, it takes strength. So the reality is weak people don't forgive. Strong people do. And for me, forgiveness is stopping my resentment against the offender, understanding that I forgive them whether they change or not. And I think sometimes people hold the offender hostage to change, and it causes them to not forgive yes, sir. or not forgive all the way. Ooh. Let's be real. We can forgive people on conditions. Yeah. I forgive you if you, if you do what I want you to do. I forgive you, yeah, yeah. If you if I see change in your behavior. But forgiveness is forgiving whether they change or not. We've got to learn how to forgive and move on. Yes, sir. Because if you don't move on, you won't get healed. Listen, I want you, to, I want you, to, I want you to hear what he just said. And if you think we're just talking, let me give you Bible. Romans 12 and 17 says, repay no one evil for evil. evil. But yeah. give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. That's and it, right? and, and I, want you, I want you to hear this because in order to forgive, you got to know what it means. And sometimes forgiveness is only achievable by addressing your inner pain. Ooh, by right addressing on. your inner pain. If, if, and, I want, and I know some of you all follow us on Instagram uh, and social media. I, I want you to do something for me because last week I posted the eloquence of Pastor Torrance. And he said that men set the tone for relationships. If you, go to my, if you go to my Instagram right now, it's got over 300 and some thousand views on Instagram. On TikTok, that same clip has over 800,000 views. And, and on Facebook, it has over 50,000. So I posted him one time, and it's got a million views. Now, if I post tomorrow that you are responsible for your inner pain, we may get 100 likes. Why? Yeah. Because victims go viral. Yes, Come sir. On, man. But today... Woo! I want to find out if you'll watch this a million times. When are you going to address Whoa. what happened to you? Come on, sir. Yeah, it's one thing to Whoa. look in, and, and you want to show your husband, yes, you got to yeah. dig into my past. Yeah, you got to right, go Reverend. find out how to yeah. heal me. But I want to see if yeah. a million of you will watch and find out what pain did I bring to the situation Reverend. that the pain didn't cause. Reverend, that's <laughs> Reverend. Come on. Listen. 
we've got way more lesson. We don't have much more time. And I don't want to bore you, or I should say that there's so much more to be unpacked that I don't want to try to give it to you all in one serving. So we're going to stop right here. This is a pause, but I need you to set your phone one week from today at the same starting time because the second half of this conversation, I personally guarantee it will set you free. I'll see you next.